Hello and welcome. This is Friend Request. I am your host, Justin Lamb, and this is episode 43, My Friend Genie. Not just my friend Genie, but this is a high school teacher I had, my psychology teacher, which uh, if you listen to this podcast, you know how much of an effect that uh, subject has had on me. So this was a real treat to get to talk to somebody who shaped young minds like mine and uh, the amount of information that I got from her and the experiences and things that she's overcome uh, are fantastic. And I really had a great time talking to her. And we ended up talking for a while after the podcast, too, um, just sharing more intimate details. So it's it's really uh, amazing what we can learn from everybody. You know, this really seals the deal. It's not only your friends of uh, your age and your friend's parents, who I've had on here, but now my teachers, it's really, really astounding. And you even get a little hello from another teacher of mine in the background at one point. But I won't spoil too much for you guys. Please enjoy, as I did, my interview with Gene. Hi! Hi! Long time. I know. How have you been? I've been, I don't know. If, I've been all right, all things considered. <laughs> it's a weird, right. it's a weird time. Yeah, it's uh, quite a time to be alive. <laughs> you said it. But, uh, but hi. So thank you for doing this, yeah. first of oh, all. Thanks for thinking I'm worth talking to. Obviously. I'm going <laughs> to, I was thinking about some stuff to talk about before uh, I called you and. We're going to end up talking about me for a chunk of time, and I apologize ahead of time. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, well, I usually start out with how I know people, and I know you because you were my teacher in high school. Yes. My yes, psychology I was. teacher. Um, yep. And then I, I, you're, I don't know, I was about to say your previous husband, <laughs> your, your ex husband. Yeah. Uh, and you, I, were like two teachers I hung out with, which at the time, and even talking about it sounds a little weird, but it's... No, it's cool. he's here right now, actually. Is he? Yeah. So funny. Yeah, I know, yeah. So um, he's my ex. We're still friends, and we get along great. Like I said, I know you from... You were my teacher in high school, and then I ended up kind of becoming friends with you and, and Scott, and I was at your guys' wedding reception, <laughs> which... Oh, yeah! And... Like I, I sent you earlier this during this quarantine, I was going through old videos and videos of like cool uh, oh, like yeah. parties at your house. And there's just like this handful of students that were always like surrounding you guys. And I was happy to be in that crowd. It's, uh, it's, but it's funny cause this is where I'm going to talk about me for a second before I get to you. I promise <laughs> the taking psychology in high school. And I actually discussed this. I was talking about this in therapy today. <laughs> um, <laughs> It was the thing I think that really triggered me to ask more questions about myself and my past and um, trying to, I wanted to figure it out, get more answers. Like I, I don't expect you to remember any of this because you've had thousands of students, (laughs) but um, I wrote a paper in your class. One of the few that I wrote, because I was a terrible student, but (laughs) that was called Sam and his mask that I wrote about essentially being on Prozac and how I was like adamantly against it now and uh, I thought it didn't really work the way it was supposed to. And this was during the time when they were really starting to crack down on how many drugs they were just feeding kids like Ritalin and Prozac mm-hmm. and stuff. And um, exploring those difficult times of my past in that class 
made me start to like wonder like why do I do this why do I do this and I became more self-aware because of that class so that my whole journey and now I'm going back to school getting a master's in counseling and becoming a therapist uh, oh I didn't know that yeah so I'm I'm super excited um, I mean that that class kind of started me on learning about things that I think everyone should know about like people like when I meet super dumb people I'm just you know you just don't know anything about yourself um, <laughs> But, they need to know Ms. Lamro. Yeah, jeez. <laughs> need to learn oh, about Skinner me, and shit. Um, that, that makes me so happy, though, to hear that, that had some impact on you, yeah. you know, in your life. So, yeah, I, I loved that awesome. class. It was one of, like, three classes I liked in high school, which was apparent from my, like, 1.9 GPA that I graduated with. But, <laughs> but anyway, enough about me. <laughs> so I'm going to jump back in time. You're born. <laughs> if only Let's people see. could get the visual <laughs> i know yeah I, i'm pretending to come out of the womb right now um, and my face is scrunched up like a baby i know you okay. have one sister do you have any siblings do you have total i have four siblings i have three sisters and a brother uh, where are you in that Range. I'm the baby. Oh, so you get whatever yeah. you want. I can relate. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm the mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I never really thought about that for myself. I think I was, I think I was planned. Um, because you know my brother. After you have him, you got to try for a better one. Um, but right. <laughs> so you're the baby. Right. What's the and, biggest age difference there? Uh, it's big, and that's part of the reason why I know I was a mistake because my parents had. Um, my first two sisters, they're two years apart. And then there was a, a five-year span before they had the third child. And then two years later, they had the fourth child. And so the fourth child was the son that they had always wanted, you know? And, and like, they were, my dad was in the service. They were stationed in Germany. And, oh, wow. like, they came to Clarkston after they left Germany and bought a house there on Holcomb Road. And uh, that's your then, parents' house that you used to have? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, the, that's the house I grew up in. That's and crazy. Um, yep. And then, you know, five years later, surprise. So, <laughs> so my oldest sister, I think there's 15 years between us. Jeez. She's 15 years older. Yeah. The closest sibling to me is five years older than me. My niece is two years younger than me. So I have a niece who is closer to my age than a sibling. That's crazy. Yeah, it's kind of weird. <laughs> so what did that do for your relationship with your oldest sister? Was she more like a mother figure when you were? Yes. Okay. Yes. Because I was two years old when she got married. Oh, wow. And moved away and had a child. So, and she was a teen mother. Okay. Yeah, I was doing and, some math there. I was like, wait, she must have been yeah, like yeah, 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 she was 16. Okay. And, um, and it was the 60s. So that was particularly traumatic at that time. Yeah. So in the morning, my mother and I would get up and we'd drive over to her house and pick her and her daughter up. And we would drive her because she didn't have a driver's license. We would drive her to the high school and drop her off and then go back to our house. And I would play with her daughter until school was over and then we'd go pick her up and take her home. That's funny. 
that's uh that's a crazy and the way that your family is intertwined throughout clarkston is funny to me yeah it's a it's a little weird because <laughs> um, i remember learning in high school that you were related to carly yes and then she now, is the daughter that, yeah. of my second sister okay it's <laughs> like wait a second um but backing up like growing up in that house then i mean i imagine by the time you can actually remember stuff how many people are still hanging out with you i mean i mean aren't your, the rest of your siblings are kind of starting into high school and junior high and yeah and i was quite young so so like my second sister was 13 years older than me so when i was four years old she was 17 yeah you know so but there were still four kids and two parents living in that three-bedroom house so your, you know? your brothers and sisters didn't move out right away when they graduated or anything or um, some did, but, but again, like they were so much older than me. Yeah. It was, you know, I'm just know. wondering if it ever just ended up being like you, just me, you, yeah, yeah, just you, your parents. And then like you dealing with adolescence in a empty house. <laughs> yes. Yes, it was. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of when I was finally alone. It was probably, my brother never really left home, okay. <laughs> um, but, but uh, I was alone a lot. It put a lot of focus on me yeah. and what I was doing, and um, I, my parents were wanting to, because for years and years I'd been kind of neglected, not in a bad way. They just mm. didn't pay attention to what I was doing, yeah. you know? I. I did what I wanted. I was I was the honey badger. Well, I mentioned by <laughs> yeah by the fifth kid, especially when the rest of them are teenagers. You're like, <laughs> right, and then now all of a sudden you want to know where I'm going. You know? <laughs> yeah. So because I was you know I wandered a lot as a little kid. You know, you're just kind of independent. Well, yeah. I yeah. mean, because at that time, I don't, I think. I don't know if the world was really safer than it is now, but we didn't know it was unsafe. Yeah. You know, you didn't hear the stories of the crazies and you didn't have this constant news feed. So it was idyllic, at least in our minds, you know? So, I mean, at two and three years old, I would wander off. I'd go walk around the neighborhood. I'd walk uptown. I'd, you know. Yeah. It was, that was the way it was done then. And so. it's funny to think about that, like decade after decade, things change so much in that realm like before yeah. you know before the 70s there was there was no like fear of serial killers taking people <laughs> off highways <laughs> right no i we had never heard of such yeah, a thing and then the 80s gave you stranger danger and uh, yeah and yeah it was uh we weren't afraid of anything yeah. I, really we did crazy things that now i think Oh, good Lord. I, I, it's a wonder anyone survived it. You know, there were, there were no seatbelts, no bicycle helmets, no parental supervision. I can't can't do bike helmets. I I don't care how old I am. I just, I get on a bike. I'm like, I don't want to put a fucking helmet on. (laughs) I know. Yeah. I, I don't on a bicycle. I probably should. Um, skiing people wear them skiing. Yeah. And I, that's crazy to me. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Especially, it's so. you're gonna fall in the so, the soft, puffy snow. You'll be fine. I know. Ridiculous. Yeah, no. I mean, I yes. have I have a bike that I, I don't get out on it at all as much as I would like to. But um, 
wearing my wife's super adamant about like she wants to get a helmet she won't ride without one she's freaked out about it but she grew up like on dirt road where she like didn't really ride a bike that much as a kid and i i mean i would ride up and down walden go to the grocery store like i never wore a helmet and i would take all these back roads and probably could have died nine thousand times but do you know (laughs) when i was okay 1971 so that would have made me seven years old my dad bought four honda 70s like these mini bikes right these trail bikes i went everywhere on those everywhere so never a helmet i half the time i didn't even wear shoes yeah you know um i imagine all that by your by that house on holcomb all that was probably woods back then right it was what's now deer lake subdivision So, like, from Deer Lake all the way up to O'Neill's farm. Yeah. That was nothing. There was nothing there. That's um, Yeah, it was, it was incredible. It was great. But I remember one time I took it through the woods all the way over to Dixie Highway, and a cop caught me. I was wearing this – keeps, this keeps cutting off. I was wearing a bathing suit. I was barefoot wearing a bathing suit. On a mini bike, and uh, and he made me push it home. Oh, that's funny. And but I had to push it through the woods, so I was like, "Yeah, okay." So I pushed it till he was out of sight, and then I started it back Heck up, yeah. and I continued along my way. So that's really funny. But yeah, another time I went. I don't know if I should tell you this, but <laughs> we can delete it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, I. I rode my mini bike all the way to um, Grange Hall Road. Oh, wow. <laughs> on those back roads. Yeah. All the way to Grange Hall Road, and there was a bar. I was like 13 years old, <laughs> and I rode my mini bike to the bar and walked in and ordered a beer. I didn't like beer. I didn't even drink the beer. I just wanted to see if I could. Yeah. And, and I did. Turns out you could. <laughs> That's fucked it up. worked. <laughs> I know. So, I know. Uh, what, it was a different world. <laughs> what's uh, I mean? What's your childhood like outside of that? Before you you graduate high school and um, good relationship with your parents, or I mean, like you said, you they were well. <laughs> they my mother, yeah, my mother was like this June Cleaver type person you know like she would wake me up singing about eggies and you know like and she cooked three meals a day she was a stay-at-home mom and she worked her rear end off but um i imagine with five kids you (laughs) right and my dad my dad was like honestly the best person i've ever known but when you're a kid you don't realize he's a good person because he was he had really high standards and he was he would like he would uh just ride you nonstop about what you should be doing and um so i couldn't stand it but it was good for me like in retrospect i know he was doing the right thing and he was a good parent and my mom god bless her sweetheart had no standards whatsoever you know and she would like cover up for me when i did something wrong and like really he was the better parent but yeah. she was my favorite it was like a good cop bad cop situation <laughs> exactly exactly and me being the youngest i was picked on mercilessly okay mercilessly it was um terrible like 
to the point of like needing stitches and um yeah i remember my brother putting me in a suitcase and ramming the suitcase into the walls and like yeah they were pretty creative and their and their abuses you know that's crazy that yeah usually not all of them but yeah but usually with the age gap uh, like that big i always talk that's what makes it that's what makes it worse you know what i mean yeah it's it's strange usually that they take on some sort of like parent role and not like the annoying older brother sort of thing right now i had two siblings who were great to me yeah who were they who were more motherly and then two of them that would just punch me for looking at them you know so i'm guessing the the latter two were the ones you were in the house with the longest though no actually it wasn't um it's weird i don't know why it was those two you know i I don't know well that's good it doesn't make any sense um you graduate high school and then what do you decide at college right away yeah i knew i was going to college and i was not a good student in (laughs) high school believe it or not i can Uh, relate (laughs) yeah i i knew i always felt like well this doesn't count you know yeah like it, this is just a time for me to be a kid, so I was a kid, and uh, um, all the things that that entails. Of you know, we misbehaved a lot, and more so than kids do now, I think. Um, and it was fun. That's a bold <laughs> statement. More so than kids do now. I hear horror stories. I never want to. Really? I, I mean, I want to have kids, but I also am like, I don't want to have kids. <laughs> I, I mean, well, I don't know what's true and what's not true, but you hear shit like kids are doing sex cults and weird shit. I'm like, what is going on? Oh, yeah. Well, I could say that as a teacher, they didn't share those stories with me. <laughs> yeah. but, I mean, I, at, yeah, I don't know. At either. the end of my career, I was teaching advanced placement classes. So okay. I had these creme de la creme students <laughs> and um, I was like, OK, your homework tonight is to go toilet paper somebody's house, you know, and, <laughs> They would be like, why would we do such a thing, you know? And they were so, they couldn't relax. Like, yeah. they're way more anxious. And so, yeah, they don't play like we did. And did you have any of that pressure from your parents to go to college? Like the, oh, yeah. on the note of that oh, yeah. same pressure? Yeah, my, my dad grew up, like, poor and from a poor family. And he uh, went into the Army and did the GI Bill. Um mm-hmm to put himself through dental school okay. and he was he it changed his life obviously for the better yeah. and that was one of his favorite lectures was you have to go to college and so um i always planned to and i didn't know what i would do it wasn't always going to be teaching yeah um but uh eventually it became teaching but i always knew so i went to occ for two years got my associates then I transferred to Oakland University, and I was thinking about being a therapist. Um, but we would it's in a long classes, program. <laughs> yeah, well, and in the early classes, I had this teacher that would do caring and sharing time, and people would actually speak up and share their problems in class at like a large lecture. Yeah. I couldn't believe people did it, but as they talked, I found myself rolling my eyes. 
and thinking like, oh my God, you call that a problem, you know, like <laughs> buck off already. And that's when I realized that maybe I'm not the most sensitive person <laughs> in the world. <laughs> and maybe the empathy maybe wasn't therapy. kicking in. Right, right. Well, I mean, I felt for him, but I just wanted to tell him to snap out of it. The solution is pretty simple, you know, because yeah. I don't know. And uh, yeah, so I wasn't ready. I think now I could probably do it. At the time, I just didn't have the patience for it. Yeah. So that's what I was like, well, I could teach psychology. You know? It's so, funny. I had um, last fall, between this doing this podcast, um, then I you know interview people and, and we end up talking about all sorts of crazy stuff. Um, and I use it kind of as an outlet for myself to discuss my own trauma issues, uh, whatever it may be. But at the time, I was also taking an alcohol and substance abuse class at uh, OCC, and the, that was the same way where everyone like was like, you know, one of those like, oh, tell me your name and something interesting about yourself. And it turned out to be like, <laughs> hi, my name's Brenda, and my dad killed himself after he like shot up heroin or something. You're like, hi, Brenda. <laughs> um, and it was, Sorry, Brenda. Yeah, it was everybody in the class. Um, but that first week then set the bar for like be comfortable with vulnerability in this class and it ended right. up being like really amazing in that way uh, oh wow because yeah it started out with like okay this is an overshare and then it turned into just like yeah like a group therapy thing every week because <laughs> you know i mean you know probably better than i do that a lot of people are drawn to that area of study because they've been personally affected by it in some way absolutely so. well and, you know, one thing I should add, though, is that I underestimated the amount of empathy I would need to teach. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, I ended up honing that skill in the end anyway, so. So um, did you go, did you switch to teaching? Like, were you originally interested in psychology and then you were like, this isn't going to work and switched over to teaching? Or how did that play out? Okay. Growing up, I always wanted to be a writer. I wanted okay. to be an author. And, but that's one of those, like, I need more stability in my life, more assurance. Yeah. And so um, then I decided I would be a dentist and I would buy my dad's practice. And my dad taught me, talked me out of that. <laughs> and then I was going to do psychology. I just loved the classes. Yeah. And uh, then it, I decided to teach psychology. So. I yeah, that's how I, yeah <laughs> so it wasn't a direct path and and i really loved teaching for the most part how um, old were you when you started teaching i graduated from college when i was 21 wow did you get yeah. a job right away no okay. <laughs> <laughs> when when i went into it when i declared my major they the university tried to talk me out of it they were like you're never going to get a job never and i go watch me and so they watched me not get a job. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it took me five years to get a job. Wow. So I did um, adult ed, alternative ed, subbing. like, And I would do, like, Tuesday night in Oak Park and Wednesday morning I taught, get this, in Walt Lake at a retirement home I taught history. Nice. How does... 
how does that work, right? You know, Do you just sit down and let them come up and tell you stories. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it was. Uh, it was. It made for some good discussions. You know. How uh, How was life outside of work at that point? Were you still living at home, or were you out on your own? What were you doing? Oh. Oh. Um, oh, we're going down a different path. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Left turn. Um, so I had this really weird idea and this is partly the culture that I grew up in yeah which is totally different than what it is today but in my world growing up your life is that you grow up you go to school you go to college and then you get married so (laughs) that's what I did okay the guy that I was dating in college like I graduated from college and he asked me to marry him and I said, yes, of course, because you know, it's, that's what, that's, what you that's do. my next, <laughs> yeah. that's my next logical step. Yeah. And, um, I, I no lie within three days after the marriage, I realized what have I done? Like it was not good. Yeah. And I managed to hang out for three years and, um, then it was like, no way, this is not, this is not good. Yeah. So and, just and a that, bad connection or was there worse? Um, and there was worse. Like he was a drinker, like an everyday drinker. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not, I'm no carry nation, you know, but I, I, I think if somebody drinks every day, if somebody comes home from work and says, I need a drink, you don't need a drink. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You need something else. So, um, there was the substance abuse and the smoking pot every day, um, and he wouldn't deal with what really was going on. Yeah, um, it, he had anger issues too. One once, swear to God, he picked up a reclining chair and threw it at me. Wow. Yeah, it didn't hit me because those are really heavy, <laughs> and he couldn't throw it as far as he thought he could. But um, and I found myself like almost wanting him to hit me. I know, like, because he would, like, ball up his fist, and his fist would be vibrating in my face. Yeah. And I'd say, give me a reason. And then I realized, wait a minute, you know what? I don't need a reason. Yeah. I don't need you to hit me, you know, in order. That would have, it was like I was waiting for him to hit me, and it was coming, you know. But I left before it did, because he was abusive in other ways, so. What was the response in your life from that? Like, because obviously, I mean, this is what, the 80s? When that Yeah. Well, I know, like, I mean, I know for my own mother in 87, like, divorced women in the 80s, like, that was not a common thing. (laughs) So, what was, I mean, what was that like for you Um, going through that? It really wasn't that bad. Um, But, again, I was the honey badger. So, (laughs) yeah, it's like, yeah, no, that's that's what happened. I made a mistake, you know. Yeah. And... I'm young, I'm smart, I've got my life ahead of me, this is going to work out. Yeah, and, and, and it did. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it did, yeah. Um, yeah, sometimes it did. So you end up teaching. Yes. Uh, did you, was the job you finally got at Clarkston? Yes. Well, yeah, because I, I, that was the first interview I ever had. And you got the job? Yeah. So my I was had a major and I could teach any of the social studies. Yeah. And everybody wanted um 
science teachers. So I actually went back and got my uh, science certification to make myself more marketable. And um, I was subbing at Sashaba Junior High and I walked in, Dr. Lang was the principal at the time. And uh, I introduced myself and I said, you know, I'm certified in science and social studies. And she said, well, you know, I don't need a science teacher, but I might need a social studies teacher. I was like, really? Okay, great. (laughs) So that was the first interview I ever had, my only interview. And I was hired, and that was the job I wanted. So I started in sixth and seventh grade, and then I moved up to seventh and eighth and eighth and ninth, and and I went up until I ended up in 11th and 12th, and that's where I stayed. Nice. So, yeah, there was that group of kids close to your age that I followed all the way through school, you yeah. know? Yeah, that and, had uh, to be cool to kind of watch was, them grow up. and. It was great, yeah, because they were, I mean, those are, they're really special to me because I knew them so well. Yeah. And uh, those were my kids, you know? Yeah. And That's awesome. So, and yeah. I, I got to, I'm so curious, and you, you've already spoke to it a couple times, and I think it's funny, like, what we know or seek out as a society like as time changes like you said oh they want science teachers because psychology as a field for the 80s the 90s i mean yeah even today you know it's still a learning field like we're still figuring shit out so yeah uh yeah that's got to be kind of a frustrating thing and i see where your college people are probably like don't do that (laughs) like trying to find that so when were you actually officially like doing psychology you mean teaching it yeah like instead of like social studies as a broad spectrum sort of thing like did you do that was it social studies for like a long time yeah because i did um i did geography in in sixth and seventh grade and then i did in eighth grade they had the early u.s history ninth grade was like a a survey of the social studies classes. I also taught government, (laughs) economics, uh, what was the world relations class? I I taught everything under the sun. And when I got transferred to the high school, it was still like maybe, I think it was 95 or 96 that um, Mr. Beal, I don't know if you ever knew him. His name sounds familiar. He was awesome. He was so good. Um, But he was the psychology teacher. And um, I wanted to be him, and no one could ever be him. He was incredible. So, But he had, because he was so amazing, he had an overflow of classes. And so I got one hour. I got one hour of psych, and I was so excited. And so I just kept teaching it and then the, the program grew yeah. more and more um, and then it was like 2000 I decided to do the AP it was right around that time as well that uh, Mr. Beal retired um, but yeah so from really basically 2000 until I retired yeah. it was all psych was there an experience early on that you can recall where you where it kind of clicked and you're like I definitely am in the right job like <gasps> Oh, really early. Like, okay, this sounds so nerdy, but (laughs) I loved making lesson plans. Like, it was always my theory that if I had a really good lesson plan, that my day would go better. You know, that 
that I, I wouldn't be, you can't wing it in the classroom. So <laughs> I would spend all sorts of time reviewing the content and then, you know, figuring out how can I present this to students so they'd get it. And I would try to do something creative. And when I would present a lesson plan and I could see the students' lights go on, you know, yeah. and when they, they would laugh or like it or learn it, like, I, I can't tell, it was actual an adrenaline feeling yeah. for me. Like, I would get a rush out of it. And, like, I would walk out of school, like, just bouncing like yes i did it and like oh i gotta do it again tomorrow <laughs> like, so it was but it was great like and i loved it from the first minute and the, there were so many days that i walked out of school feeling like i killed it today you yeah. know i killed it. now there were other days that i was like okay that didn't that didn't really work so <laughs> uh, but i always redid things you know i would improve it and because every group of kids is different too so yeah. a plan that worked with one group isn't going to work with another one so it was it was really it took a lot of creativity and i loved it i feel like that's a that's not as common and I, obviously it's funny to speak to anybody about their career where i was like involved in it for three years of your entire career <laughs> <laughs> it, it's funny to uh think of you talking about this because i feel like a lot of not a lot of teachers maybe but um, develop their one way of doing things and then they just like apply that to everything and if you don't it doesn't work for you too bad this is how I do it and it sounds like you were more like I want to structure this and adapt it to each individual right. circumstance I did and you know what I, honestly I wish I could be one of those teachers like like those were the teachers no, who had do the it. binder you know <laughs> they had this giant binder of all their lessons in the order that they would use them yeah and they would every year go back to that binder and they always knew but they were so organized you know they they could tell you in september what they'd be doing on april 3rd and i couldn't even begin to tell you because <laughs> you know what i mean it was always a, a work in progress it was always but they also didn't die as much you know like like I, I mean when you put that much of your soul into something yeah you burn out more quickly you know so and i really i poured my all into it i exhausted myself i didn't get enough sleep at night um my weekends were spent doing work like from during the school year i had no life did you ever end up managing kind of like a work-life balance that worked for you or no was, no <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah uh, <laughs> i would love i would love to say yes but i never did but it was you know i have like a little bit of perfectionism in me and so yeah. i couldn't i i couldn't just blow it off for a day you know well I are you someone that could act can sit there and have nothing to do or do you always have to have something Oh, I can do nothing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can relax. Yeah, and I've gotten really good at it since I retired. That's you good. Know? Yeah, so I, I'm pretty good. But I can always keep myself busy. Like, yeah. even sitting, thinking about stuff, for me, is busy, you know, because my brain is active. Yeah. So even if I'm potatoing out on the couch, I feel like I'm active because... There's a lot going on in my head. So, good jump back into your personal life. <laughs> You're, okay. Because what's next in, in 
I mean, outside of your work and school, you're, you're teaching, you're divorced. Are you married again? Yes. Okay. You're talking about after my divorce, my college boyfriend divorce. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I met, um, Tim after that. Okay. And, um, he was like super easygoing, really quiet, um, like solid, reliable, you opposite know. of your the last guy yes yeah. and which is an interesting pattern you know <laughs> that i've i've noticed in myself even with boyfriends i had throughout my life like yeah. you know you go for one that's a spaz and then you yeah you go for the one who never wakes up so um it was it was a lot like that but is it always was, extremes on one end or the other <laughs> uh no but but there's always like whatever it was about the last one that bugged me. Yeah. And I did this all unconsciously, of course, you know what I <laughs> yeah. mean? But it's in reflection like, Oh yeah, I see what I did there. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, so, but Tim and I were married, um, for seven years. Okay. We had our, we had our son Wyatt. Um, but it was just a bad match. It just didn't work. Um, he's not very heady. And I'm super heady. And, uh, um, you know, he's like, he got more and more into motorcycling and yeah. so on. And afterwards, then I, Banks came along. Yeah. And um, I met him at work. And Banks is a bundle of energy. And he's very smart. I was he's there for great. that development. It was a scandal. Yeah. <laughs> it was a scandal. I know. I know. When we were dating at work, like, you know, um, and I just had a terrible crush on him because, I don't know, because he talked to me. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and uh, so, but at work, people would be like, oh, you and Mr. Banks, is there something going on? And like, yeah, there is. Yeah. Like, no, really, is there something going on? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, and, can uh, you fill this form out, please? Because we're going to need disclosure form. Thanks. Right. Um, so, so yeah go ahead but yeah so we were married banks and i lasted for 14 years yeah like and we really we had a really good time it was a lot of fun um but again it didn't work out yeah bad match again so and you know i'm not gonna yeah i, I don't i'm not here for yeah. you to air your dirty laundry or anything. right right um, right but i i guess what uh what worked for that 14 years like where was it because you guys were similar interests work in the same place i mean yeah yeah i mean our, our our heads were in the same space you know yeah um we had similar goals we we built a home together and you know our we had a shared vision for our home and for for wyatt um we had we we're wakeboarding, you know, so we had the same pastimes and we skied together in winter. And so I think it's really important for couples to have um, fun things to share together, yeah. you know? And so we, we shared a lot. Um, later on is, you know, I got injured and um, you know, his, the nature of his job changed um, and the nature of my job changed. Like it got harder and harder. Yeah. Um, to, you know, I could no longer wakeboard because I was injured, and it just got harder. That's all. Yeah. So, 
Uh, it's funny because uh, I would also say that the opposite is also helpful. <laughs> like having se like separate, yeah, separate <laughs> interests and separate spaces. And um, right, there's a you know, well, you probably know, maybe you don't. Uh, Esther Perel, do you know who that is? No, she's a psychologist. She's written a bunch of books, but she's a relationship psychologist primarily. And yeah, I wish you would have told me about her in like 1980. <laughs> I think she might have been like 25 in 1980. Um, but she, uh, I imagine, right? Her name's Esther. That's got to be an older person. Um, <laughs> Actually, that was my grandmother's name. <laughs> See, that's what I'm talking about. And I, I use that name like, like when I game or anything. Oh, you use Esther? Esther is <laughs> nice. my name. Yep. <laughs> well, okay, she, carry uh, on. I'm sorry. No, you're good. She just. Uh, she said something in one of her books that I, I really relate to and, and I think is a great point. And it's, uh, talks about how relationship, well, marriages specifically, you know, back in the day. And when I say back in the day, I mean like the 1600s, like it was, <laughs> I mean, it was like a land agreement between families, right? Like it was like right. you and you. And, um, then you still had all these other buckets that other things in your life filled up. And then as we've gotten into modern marriage, we were supposed to have this one person that's supposed to check every single box of every need that we need which is like unrealistic so you know that's yeah. where you have maybe like your best friend checks a couple of these boxes and going out whenever checks a couple boxes right. and then um and it just it, it's a really nice perspective on what the kind of the unrealistic ideals that modern day marriage kind of has been put on people with society but I branch off. Yeah. I digress. Um, no, it's, it's a good point though. Yeah. Um, is that, you know, another person can't be responsible for your happiness. Yeah. You know, um, we're responsible for ourselves. Um, but at the same time there needs to be, you know, some level oh, yeah. of respect and some things that you share, but it made me think of, um, Khalil Gibran, the prophet, you know, let there be spaces in their togetherness, you that's, know, um, that two trees cannot grow in each other's shadow. So I'm going to knit that on a pillow. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Get well, some needlepoint going. Yeah. Uh, before I, cause I want to talk about obviously some current stuff before we're, we're over here, but um, okay. before I get there, I would be remiss if I didn't ask in the, in all your years of teaching, like zero, do you have a favorite moment story? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Don't worry, oh. it doesn't have to be about me. No, um, but seriously. <laughs> I, you know, I would love it if I could, like, right now bring up, like, a great story. But there are so many. Like, I've thought, actually, that I should write a book. Like, that I should – and not just mine, but great moments of other teachers. Yeah. Because you have a great moment almost daily really it's so full I'm going to cry um, it's so full of touching moments of where you get to help kids or yeah. you see kids do something really great um, every day a kid would do something so stupid you know <laughs> that, that, like you laugh you know like you know when a high school girl puts her finger in the electrical socket you know I mean like, <laughs> I know we're not supposed to call people stupid but come on you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, there's so much 
there's so much emotion involved in it. Yeah. That it's there were great moments every day, really. Well, I, I, and we mentioned it at the beginning too. I that field, you know, people usually get into psychology to some degree because they have something in their own lives that they were either impacted by or want answers to or whatever that looks like. And I imagine I could be wrong, but I'm guessing based on what you're saying, I'm right. Uh, throughout the years, you probably had a lot of people that have kind of, you've been the confidant that they can tell you something. Oh yeah. That they haven't told many people or anybody at all. And that, yeah, I feel honored when, when people share things with me, um, because there's, for some reason they're choosing to trust me, you know? Um, and I, I do care. Um, and I think people know that. Um, and so they tell you things. Um, the one thing is, you know, the, the issues of harm, you know, there were times that I had to break confidence on somebody, you know? So, and, and I, I hated to do that. I hated to do that to people, but I did have to do it sometimes. You also want to see them the next day. Exactly. Exactly. Or, or I wanted to see the person they were angry at. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. But yeah, so I, I did a lot of kids talk to me and, um, and you know, this is another reason why I couldn't be, even though, you know, earlier I said, I, I would get, I didn't have the empathy, Yeah. but I, as a teacher, when kids would share with me, it I couldn't compartmentalize. You know what I mean? Yeah. Their their stories got into my soul, and it it hurt. I actually hurt for them. Um, I would go home and I couldn't stop thinking about them, and I would cry. And you know what I mean? It was yeah. it's hard. It's hard to do it to be a a listener and a carer. Yeah. That's a, it's, it's a lot of weight. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. So brace yourself. <laughs> yeah, I, I will. <laughs> I actually, yeah, I have a, I started, I read this book on listening and before I started this podcast and cause I wanted to make sure I was creating like a space where, you know, we could communicate openly and, and feel safe yeah. and it's weird doing it digitally. Cause in person, obviously it's a lot <laughs> easier to create that environment, but, um, right. That the one thing that I never thought about that it mentioned is that time afterwards, like how you take care of yourself after you share that time with someone else. Cause that's, yeah, it's heavy. And like, sometimes you need to like, just go eat some ice cream and sit there by yourself. <laughs> You're like, oh, yeah. can't kind of come down from it. Um, right. so, but mo- moving into the present day, <laughs> okay. Uh, you've been outspoken online and, and there's, oh. there's a lot of things happening right now. And actually, one of your things went viral on Facebook, right? Oh, my God. I know. <laughs> but so and, and this oh. I mean, this won't air until early September. But I imagine everything going on now is still going to be going on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, on well, that note, yeah, go ahead. I think that, you know, the one that you're talking about was something related to racism. Yeah. It was basically saying, I don't know, there's people who say like, oh, racism doesn't belong in Clarkston. We don't need protests here. And to that I say, bullshit. Yeah, look around. <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know exactly, do you not hear it? Do you not see it? Like, how could you think it doesn't exist here? So yeah. we can be quite certain that um, racism in Clarkston will still exist in September. 
Yeah, and and every yeah. year, um, yeah, that's I got in a big debate with my brother because he doesn't think racism exists at all. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I've now heard you know those why he was too. friends with Terry Quain. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I've got stories about TQ. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, how long have you been retired now? I retired in uh, June of 2015. Okay. Five years. Are you enjoying retirement? Yes and no. Um, the last five years of my life have been very tumultuous. Um, How so? For, for personal reasons. Okay. Um, some of the things I can't talk openly about, uh, in short, like the divorce, Um, and then like trying to reestablish myself, um, you know, finding a home, a place to live. Um, my, my son went through, um, something that was at the very, like, I am traumatized by what my son went through. Um, like it's terrible. Uh, I'm not over it yet. Then, um, my mother died. Um, and there was a long sickness that preceded her death. Um, afterward, there was um, issues executing her trust. Um, and there was one of my siblings who was found to be uh, difficult, steal, stealing, <laughs> oh, okay. stealing, diff- being difficult for sure. And stealing from the her, her siblings yeah. and so the family fell apart i lost my family and during that time i had reunited with tim number husband number two yeah. and uh um that did not go well at all so it's quite I, a quite a five yeah. years yeah yeah it's so, it's so fucked up to me and it, I, like part of me is very happy in the confidence that my mother has nothing to leave me and my brother because like my mom and her brother don't talk anymore because when my grandma died, they had it out over her shit. And I right. hear this stuff constantly and it's, yeah. it's so fucked up, especially in families that are so close. And then like, so, and then it, because money, man, it's fucked right. up. Well, if I think in this case, it was more than money. It was, um, old hurts bringing themselves up yeah. in new ways, you know, like a way for someone to gain control and take revenge. Yeah. And Well, yeah, I think know, my so... uncle told my mom, and she's like, well, they let you borrow that 10 bucks when you were five years old. And she's like, what? yeah, like you've been holding on to this for 50 years. And... Right. Right. So yeah, it, there's, there's a lot of issues with it, but it fell apart. And then in 2018, um, I became sick and a lot of it I think is stress related, but I have something autoimmune going on. Oh, welcome. So I'm, yeah, yeah. So I'm still trying to get that all sorted out. Um, so it's, it's actually the stress levels are making me sick. Other than that, retirement is great. (laughs) (laughs) Other than everything, it's fantastic. Right. So, no, but I'm working on it, and I I have a therapist now, and just because I have a lot of anger, you know, Um, and so I need to figure out a way to move past it because I'm I'm really mad. (laughs) And now your your five-year mark just got capped off with... (laughs) 
protests and coronavirus. So congratulations. Right, right, right. Um, yeah. It may or may not be a coincidence that that the whole world seems to have fallen apart with the election of 2016. Yeah. yeah. Are you, um, just on like a more current note, are you pretty excited that you don't have to deal with figuring out about going back to school in the fall? Oh, my God. I mean, what's... Absolutely. Absolutely. Because you know what? The whole... I'm not going to wear a mask because my freedom yeah. thing is <laughs> the most bizarre. Like I think about the greatest generation, you know, um, the, the rationing of foods and supplies that they lived through yeah. for the greater good, you know? Yeah. And what if, what if they had said, no, I'm not going without my pantyhose, you know, that yeah. <laughs> you're a Nazi, you know, like it just doesn't make any sense. Like we're being asked to put on a mask. Yeah. How hard is it? And the, you know, too the, much the, content out there for people to look too into. Much bullshit. Yeah. Too much bullshit. They say things like, well, if you do your research, you'll find it. Like, yeah, you'll find anything if you look hard enough. Yeah, I mean, that's the internet. On. <laughs> right. Yeah. Welcome. Um, so I've had enough of these people. And, um, you know, the whole idea of um, that, oh, well, if you're scared, you should just stay home. But you know what? If you can't wear a mask, you stay home. Yeah. You know, you know, they say like, well, I have asthma, so I can't wear. Well, you should be staying home then, you know, so. Now, knowing what I see when I go out or what I see online, there are going to be kids who come to school without a mask. Yeah. You know, for little kids, trying to keep it on them is going to be a challenge. At the high school level, I know there's going to be, you know, freedom fighters who are going to show up without a mask. And I honestly, like, I was sick all the time when I was teaching because it's a flu factory. Let's be honest. Yeah. Um, it's going to be a coronavirus factory. Even if kids, it may not kill kids at the same rate as does older people. Those kids have to go home to somebody. A lot of them are raised by parents who are at risk. Yeah. Um, and, and more people are at risk than are being recognized. The obese are in an at risk category. That means 42% of the population is obese in the United States. So I just think we're asking for trouble. And yeah. if I were in the classroom, I would be terrified. Um, and if, if they made me teach people without a mask, I would probably walk off the job. That's how strongly I feel about it. Oh, yeah. um, but the other problem for teachers that I see is that Doing the combination of in person and online. Yeah. Are you so glad you retired? <laughs> yes. Because, you know, like I mentioned earlier, how much work I put into yeah. creating a lesson plan. If I had to do some lesson plans in person and then I had to do a whole other set online and meanwhile figure out an entire new way to evaluate student learning, um, trying to do it without that in person, because I do believe it's best to do it in person. Oh, yeah. it, it really can't be replaced. Yeah. But trying to do all of it, I just think, I don't know. I, I think it's too soon. Yeah. I, I, you know, we got to wait until it's under control and it's not under control. 
and that, yeah i just uh it, it's a gotta be a good time i mean from a selfish standpoint i suppose for yourself it's got to be a good time to not be in that job anymore i yeah. mean even even this last spring like <laughs> i have a Absolutely. lot of friends that are teaching at the at the high school now and and at other schools around the state and it's they're just like trying to figure out you know how to make videos and all this crap and it's funny because the part of me is like i'll make videos for your class i don't know what the fuck i'm talking about that sounds like it'd be fun yeah no it's chaotic it's gonna be so chaotic and you know the, trying to ensure student learning at the same time yeah i just i it's this is a huge loss for the kids you know and if i'm honest though when we look at student learning, like like I think a lot of teachers overestimate their own importance on a student's lifespan. You yeah. know what I mean? Like in the big scheme of things, how much does this really matter? Yeah. It probably doesn't. It probably doesn't, you know? I mean, a lot of kids could have done without my class and they're just fine. You know, so yeah, I mean, there's only a handful of classes I can look back on and be like, I got something that I really like used. <laughs> right, right. Most of it you don't remember. I think, you know, the yeah. overall experience of education changes the way that your neural connections fire. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not the information itself. It's practicing those neural pathways. Yeah. So if we have to wait a little while to get those pathways firing again, you know, yeah, it'll, well, it's funny it'll still work. Colleges even know that because, you know, if you, if there's too many years between like a math class or a reading or writing class, you have to take an assessment to get put in the next one. Like, right. So, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I agree that there is maybe too much importance people put on themselves for stuff that I, yeah. I'm not going to retain. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I, I remember like teachers failing somebody over, you know, they didn't turn in an assignment. They can't graduate. Like, really? Yeah, well, that must be some assignment. I graduated by <laughs> one assignment. <laughs> law and society. Oh, no. Oh, no. I had so much fun in that class because I was a big fan of 12 Angry Men. And oh, yeah. So we did like a mock trial and I volunteered to get the, the murder weapon prop. So I bought two of them and then had a scandal moment where I was like, you say you can only get this in one place, right? Well, how come I have one that's the exact same? <laughs> I got in trouble for that. <laughs> Did you have Zittle? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I knew it. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. I know that personality. I can... <laughs> <laughs> it was a good time. Um, but anyway, I anyway. <laughs> yeah, high school. It's great. Yeah, so... That's, I mean, that's all I got. You got, did I skip over anything you want to talk about? Uh, yeah, well now I'm single. (laughs) Check her out on Tinder guys. Swipe right. (laughs) Yeah. Is that, that's the good way? I don't, I think I really couldn't tell you. (laughs) I don't either. I I won't be on any dating sites. I I fear being divorced one day. I hope that never has to happen because I would be like, I don't know what to do. (sighs) I won't be doing any online dating. (laughs) I'm not. Honestly, I'm enjoying being single right now. Yeah. Like this is a new a new phase of my life for me. And um I'm starting to work through some of my anger issues. Um I'm 
writing now. You know, my the original job yeah. that I wanted. I'm I'm doing a lot of writing. I'm remodeling the house. Like it's really fun, and I don't answer to anyone. I am beholden. You know, this is I've declared it the year of yes. There you go. So, if someone asks me to do something, yes. What uh, what kind of writing are you doing? Um. Just like journaling? Are you doing poetry? Are you doing fiction? Uh, fiction, yes, okay. yes. Um, young adult novels. Okay. Um, contemporary, like I'm trying to address situations and issues that kids actually deal with nice. so that when they read it, they can you know, connect with those characters and hopefully get something out of it. Well, yeah. I'm glad you're doing that. That's awesome. Uh, I mean, it's... Thanks. My opinion, it's never too late to go back to your original passions. <laughs> right, right. Now, uh, a side note, though, I did, I recently cleaned out my file drawer. And I, <laughs> I, I, came, I came across, like when I was young, I was a poet. And I, I found my book of poetry, the worst poetry <laughs> that has ever been written. I don't know what made me think I wanted to be a writer, but um, <laughs> hopefully I'm better than that now because it was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully you are. T- I'll, I'll, I'll root for you. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> Have you ever seen Mortified, that program Mortified, where people read their oh. childhood writings? Yeah, yeah, yeah. To- that poetry would be the perfect (laughs) choice for that because it's ridiculous yeah i have a lot of that (laughs) i kept all my journals from high school um Uh, and i i mean i god i wrote some scathing things over the years (laughs) i wrote this uh, like i made i the day i lost my virginity i wrote this like this little romanticized piece like looking back on it was like jesus christ but (laughs) (laughs) uh, yeah all right those are funny well you got enough material here, friends? Obviously. No, I really appreciate you doing it. And Oh, it's so good to talk to you and to see your face. And Yeah. It's good. It's good to see you. Hopefully we'll get to see each other in person sometime I soon. I know. I think last if time I saw you in person was at like Kevin and Jim Brady's Halloween party. All right. You just listened to my interview with Jeannie, my high school psychology teacher. How crazy is that, right? It was so nice to talk to her. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed that. A lot of great points. Um, and a lot of like, it's, it's, it's great and also overwhelming to think like you get to that age where you're retired. Uh, you know, she retired five years ago and you're still learning things, you know? Um, I, obviously I hope that's true for myself, but it's, it's always crazy to hear. Um, you know, as a kid growing up, your teachers, you think they're, uh, the end all be all. in in a lot of ways, especially in the subject matter that they teach. So it's nice and refreshing to hear someone still learning, uh, in the areas that they taught, you know? So, uh, thank you guys so much for listening. If you haven't already check out patreon.com slash friend request pod and become a Patreon supporter of the podcast. Uh, if you guys don't know, you know, I, I pay a monthly fee to host the podcast as well as, you know, the countless uh, dozens of hours that I spend each month uh, recording and editing and posting and all that good stuff. Um, I'm just trying to break even at this point, but there's a lot of great content on there. There's some exclusive content, the stuff that got cut out of episodes, 
Uh, you can ask questions to previous guests. And uh, if you really want to go nuts, uh, you can get personalized songs. You can get lightning interviews with myself. Uh, there's a lot of really great things on there. So I hope you guys check that out. Patreon.com slash friendrequestpod. And if you are curious about non-alcoholic beer, as I talk about quite frequently, you can check out Bravas Brewing. They are a non-alcoholic brewery. And if you go to bravas.com and use the code friendrequest, you'll save 10% off your order. Highly recommend their oatmeal stout and their peanut butter stout. They're always out of their peanut butter stout, but if you can find it, uh, if it's in stock, or if you're thinking about the holidays, keep them in mind because they have a bourbon barrel-aged stout. Uh, it's non-alcoholic. It's delicious. I'll let you guys check that out. But I will talk to you next week. Otherwise, thank you, guys. Keep listening. Tell a friend. I really appreciate it. The podcast has done overwhelmingly well since we came back, uh, what, three episodes ago. So thank you, thank you, thank you. We'll talk to you soon.